Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family a podcast. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City, and this is the Superflex Super Show. Yet again, an awesome guest. Don't let him. Don't tell him I said that though. Uh, shit, he already heard that. I've what? got my 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 best frenemy is here today. <laughs> <laughs> my very best. <laughs> my very best frenemy, PA Howdy. Peter Howard is here. And uh like easily my favorite guy. Like we agree on pretty much nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but like there is not a more uh, a more fun, more pleasant person to disagree you know just categorically with so so it's always fun to get to talk with you don't do it often enough um and and i'm i'm very curious how this is gonna go i was telling you off air i uh i our our action items which we're gonna get to here in just a second uh i had one last week that i seriously thought about saving for you but i was just like you know what we're gonna create our own fireworks i don't have to i don't have to force the issue by telling you that Christian McCaffrey is a sell, uh, we'll mm-hmm. find other things that we can argue about. So we'll find other things. You know, like <laughs> we'll run into something, no doubt. But yeah, so Peter Howard from Dynasty Crossroads, from Dynasty Grind, he's got his own YouTube channel that he's on pretty much constantly. I'm actually, uh, I'm I'm surprised and honored that uh, that you had the time to come <laughs> on the Super Show when you weren't doing your own stuff. Uh, but yeah, man, good to have you back. And uh, like I like I said last time, like let me get all the pleasantries out of the way right up front, so that I don't feel like I have to do it again uh, the rest of the show. Sounds sounds good to me, man. Um, yeah, I've got. I, I'm trying to make four. I think is my goal. YouTube videos a month right now, and it's a struggle because everyone keeps reminding me of the stuff I'm meant to do. Like, hey, you've done the crossroads yet? <laughs> Shit, no. Um, <laughs> Wait, who's who's cracking the whip on you? Because I don't I don't have that really going on, and and my stuff honestly is probably more time sensitive if we're being on it like i have to do those more oh drafts. oh i get it yeah no one's waiting for my stuff i see what you're saying john no, uh, i mean um... <laughs> i mean obviously yeah, no, we're all on no, the edge no. of our seats with no what... don't take it back it's fine no one cares i hear you um <laughs> no that's true actually it's mostly just a voice in the back of my head it's like hey what three things did you forget this week idiot and i'm Ooh. like oh yeah so it's yeah. mostly just myself Man, yeah, fire that guy. That sucks. I uh, wish I could. He lives there. I mean, he's kind of <laughs> embedded. 
In, yeah. He's entrenched, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Let's 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 get some action items real quick before we uh, before we go too far off the rails. Um, right. Easy to do, but you know I, I, we've been doing this for several weeks now. I like to just give a couple action items right up front, so that everybody listening can say, you know, even if you didn't get anything out of the rest of the episode, you can honestly say that this was still worth your time because you got an action item, you got something that you can do right now in your dynasty superflex leagues, and. You know, you, you you so you you got that little nugget. You got something uh, out of this. So let's start with that. And uh, uh, you know what, Peter Howard, be my guest. Fuck, I forgot it was a superflex show. Dang. Um. All right, I'm going to borrow <laughs> one right. from uh, Jared uh, Lackley from the Player Profile. Because we're agreeing on something today, which also isn't very common. But Joe Burrow is a little overrated since this is a superflex show. Yeah. Um. I know that's not the popular saying. But he's like the dynasty QB four right now. Again, Jared pointed this out to me, and I went and checked my own ranks, and he's um, QB seven. Uh, he's got a lot of good points on why, and I just think he's j- just a little overrated right now. I'm not going to steal any any of his points, um, but if you have Dak and Lamar um, or even Justin Herbert under him, I think you're reacting a little bit too hard to the swag. Essentially, okay. he he performed as well as them. In some regards, we're in an exceptionally efficient season this year. Um, and he was only a startable QB in that he finished in the top 12, 50% of weeks, which is about the same as Kirk Cousins. So I think maybe Dynasty QB4 is a little exaggerated. But that's just because you literally just reminded me um, that, that that it's a Superflex show. So I would consider trading <laughs> him for any of those guys I just mentioned, plus in a Superflex league. I think that would be a solid trade. Um but the one I was planning to say, because we were talking about it last week, is um, there hasn't been a running back to finish inside the top three. Um, but you could also expand that to top five, top 12. Um, in their sixth career year, since around about 2013, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one way of saying it. Another way of saying it is every time a, a generational era of running backs hits their sixth career year, we have a running back finish inside the top three top five or top 12 in their sixth career year i'm doing this thing right now where i'm basically mapping out the percentage of players that finish inside certain career boundaries um by career year or by age and what i found out is we tend to be overly scared of the red circle the circle at which uh encompasses all the play the years where players stop producing high level of fantasy points so between the ages of 29 and 32 players start to drop off and that's what we're all scared of but Mm -hmm. in order to avoid it in dynasty we seem to be panicking on players between the ages of 25 to 27 now previously i just thought that was wide receivers but looking at running backs it's very consistently a problem with running backs as well we think they're dead uh, after year two now the value definitely dies and that matters in dynasty but the 2017 right 2017 draft class is just about to hit their sixth career year that's the best running back draft class since maybe 2008 and and that's the last time that's the last running back draft class that hit the sixth year and we had players in the top three top five and top 12 from their sixth career so essentially to round that up what i'm telling you is that of the players and i gotta look them up because i forget all of the ones that's in there but you've got aaron jones christian mccaffrey austin eckler christian mccaffrey dalvin cook even kareem hunt and joe 
Joe Mixon come from that draft class. Some of those guys are going to be in the top three, top five, top 12 next year. And we are scared of it because they are old. But mm-hmm. that's just a, that's just because we're used to looking at it in the linear age regression curve type analysis. And it's actually inaccurate. It's not players who get older stop producing. It's that players who are good keep producing until they stop playing. And those are the players that are still good. Now, I know you don't want to talk about Christian McCaffrey because you're scared of me now. Uh, you <laughs> admitted that before the show. And he right. does carry heavy injury risk. So if you want to replace him, the 2015 or the 2014 class, um wait what what year was i talking about 2017 2016 class does have saquon barkley and nick chubb they are not part of that epic running back draft class because of injury and essentially you know nick chubb got kareem hunted but i also think they fit into this conversation that both of those guys are falling in barracks were scared of their age when it's not yet age it's career progression of great running backs i think they fit Mm -hmm. in there too so uh, I just put a number on it, I guess, because someone called me a numbers guy once. I think 33% of the top 12 running backs next year are going to be older than the, than 26 years old. And in fact, in Dynasty, that's kind of reflected in ADP right now because we're getting more and more scared of drafting running backs um, heavily early um, in startups. According to January ADP, we're drafting fewer running backs inside the first round um, of Dynasty ADP than we have done for the last four years. Yeah. So there's value in running backs this year. So r- real quick, like, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to let you have both of the action items this week. I'll come up with one next week because these are both, uh, first of all, you know, uh, much more useful than what I was going to say. But also, uh, man, there's there are conversations that could come out of either one of these. I'm I sorry, John. Fo- did I come up, did I come on your podcast and show you up? I'm sorry. I am, I am, no. <laughs> Are you? Are you really? I, you know, just for context, <laughs> dear audience, because John's show probably actually has an audience, and I'm not used to that. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> uh, nice to nice to meet an audience, to be honest. But um, also, I'll point out, and this goes true for everyone that's been on this show. So all the other episodes you're listening to, John tells you this. Three seconds before he hits record. Yes. So you have to come up with this three months down the road take that you were willing to stand on that's meant to be mind-blowing. Yeah. So just saying, you know, I'm trying my best out here. <laughs> well, and even worse than that, at the time I told you, you know, there doesn't even need to be a whole lot of anal- uh, analysis behind it. Uh, but now, now, I mean, now that you let the cat out of the bag, now I'm going to ask you for some actual analysis <laughs> behind this too. Uh, as if you didn't give enough already. Uh, yeah, I kind of, I kind of just keep talking if no one stops me. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's why you're here, man. Um, yeah, no need to apologize. That's that's uh, that's why I wanted to bring you back uh, to hear you talk, not hear me talk. Uh, but I, I, so I am curious though, uh, and this is to be honest, I've got I've got a little bit of an agenda with this question. Uh, but I am curious, you know, so of of those guys that you feel like from the 2017 draft class, you know, some of them are going to end up, you know, top 12. Mm-hmm. Which which of those guys would you would you be the most willing to uh, to invest in? Which of those guys would you be the most willing to bet on uh, being top 12 type of running backs? Honestly, it'd probably Saquon Barkley from the draft class after that. But if you want to, yeah. uh, you want to stick it to me and keep me in that class, uh, yep. right now, 
Christian McCaffrey's falling, um, but his ADP is still pretty high. So I'm assuming no one's giving him away for you know what you would be willing to give him away for. You hater. No um, one. No one will give him away for what I would give him away for. Hey, what? Here's here's the thing. Um, I was talking to Zach Reed from the Dynasty Dummies podcast the other day, and anyone who listens to anything I've done knows that that's just a regular occurrence. I say that every time, like it's something that doesn't happen a lot. I pretty much just constantly talk to Zach Reed. Just follow Zach Reed. And you'll know what I'm thinking about and also what I'm going to try and make content out of. I just steal his ideas. Um, but he mentioned Saquon Barkley as one of the best buys. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to stick that in the back of my head. Remember that. Next time John asks me, I'm going to say that. But also, um, so there's I a, was there's mentioning a... AJ Dillon as a potential buy. And I'm uh-huh. getting back to your question. I'm sorry. I am. No, no, um, you're fine. I just wanted to point out real quick that here on the Superflex Super Show, you had no way of knowing this, but here on the Superflex Super Show, I've been calling Saquon Barkley the biggest buy in fantasy football for yep. like two months now. So, it's like Chris so I'm on board with this one. You're not going to goat me into an argument on this one because I'm I'm right there with you and with Zach. Well, we can do Nick Chubb then. But no, he's Christian McCaffrey with <laughs> slightly less injury concern. I get it. Um, and not quite Christian McCaffrey because no one is quite Christian McCaffrey. But, you know, <laughs> we can talk about Alvin Kamara. People hate him in Dynasty as well. But uh, what mm-hmm. I was going to say is just spitballing with Zach, something that occurred to me is I want to hate A.J. Dillon because mm-hmm. everything about not the player and not what he's going to do, actually. He was really impressive down that stretch and amazing to watch. But I do yeah. like to hate things. So what I I want to dislike him because the pe- reason people seem to like him is he looks so much bigger than Aaron Jones in pictures. Yeah. And that's just like my brain doesn't work that way. How do you look at a, something and think this thing is very different than this thing and this thing has been doing exactly what I want for the last five years. Therefore, I like this thing that's very different. I don't get how your mind works to see a picture and think, wow, this looks very different than a good running back in this picture. So I like this thing. That's, that's bizarre to me. So I want to not like him, but he was great mm-hmm. down the stretch. And right now his ADP is real low. He's really, I've been starting to do some best ball drafts. He's a very easy pickup. Um, and he does have significant potential. I think he's a good running back as he showed last year. Um, and hopefully that team can, you know, not turn into a complete, you know, version of whatever the quarterback is now, <clears throat> John. <laughs> so, but I know there's an AJ Dillon hive out there. Like I, I've yeah. heard from them before. I remember they seem to be like um, a holdover or like the second generation of the Jamal Williams fan club, to be honest with you. Cause I remember arguing about them with Aaron Jones. Cause Aaron Jones was much smaller and not as good as blocking as Jamal Williams. Um, Anyway, what I suspect is that A.J. Dillon's ADP is going to rise throughout the offseason. So right now I get liking him, but I do think it's going to get overhyped because there's a strong hive around A.J. Dillon's calf muscles, if nothing else. And that's going to elevate his ADP a little too, too far. So right now I like A.J. Dillon, but further into the season, Aaron Jones, that same draft class we're talking about, I think he's going to start to become, right now, I'm pretty sure you can get him for like a ham sandwich. Because no one wants uh, Aaron Jones. No one's ever wanted Aaron Jones. All he does is produce top 12 fantasy seasons and no one wants him. Um, but he would be my answer outside of, you know, the, you're right to like Barkley better. I think CMC has the highest ceiling of anyone in the league in fantasy. So I, I, I want to swallow that injury risk as well, which 
why do I have to say it like that? That that that's <laughs> weird. But there you go. Um, but Aaron Jones is just quietly sitting there, and because AJ Dillon is currently undervalued, like there's not a lot of noise around it. But I think mm-hmm. it's going to grow this off season. So right now, I kind of like both of them. Uh, the closer we get to the season, I think Aaron Jones is going to look like uh, goodbye. I like that one. I'm I can get on board with that. One. I feel like Dalvin Cook is a decent answer as well uh joe mixon like those guys those guys do feel like the most likely in in a uh, like the reason that i austin eckler's from that class technically yeah yeah and he should be fine the 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 big problem with him he's kind of being pushed up because of the touchdowns and I don't know. I, I, I've, I've mentioned before, yeah. uh, and, and I, I, I know that, uh, like, I think it was the one episode of the super show, uh, that you listened to was the one where I <laughs> went, <laughs> went after a- analytics. Uh, and, uh, so I, I listen. It <laughs> <yeah. Sometimes. laughs> was just like such a, it was such a coincidence that you like happened to hear that one. Where I just like the first fifteen minutes of the show is just me like just going after analytics in general, just kind of how you all have this propensity to like the there's this you you can't avoid the temptation to misuse the numbers that you have, uh, present company excluded. Don't look at me, man. I, I will <laughs> lean into whatever the. <laughs> I look <laughs> but what no, I do I'm... know, what I do know about analytics that I, you know, that I think is uh, is is pretty legit. I mean, one of many things um, that wow. I can absolutely get on board with is, you know, chasing touchdowns. That's not really something we're going to do, right? Especially with somebody with the 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 profile of of Austin Eckler. Yeah, touchdowns are difficult. They're non what you would call non-sticky, non-predictive. You score ten touchdowns one year doesn't mean you're going to score ten touchdowns next year. In other words, so you know that's fair. Yeah. Um, mostly, the way to look at touchdowns is through the rate of production. If you get if you're giving the ball ten times, you should have a touchdown. If you get given the ball once, you shouldn't have a touchdown. And so mm-hmm. it's the rate at which you're scoring them, and that's where you know that nasty word progression comes in. But the whole analytics versus not analytics. The only way. I mean, it's a problem with anything and everything. It's a people problem, not an analytics or a film problem. And that's, right. I think mostly the only takeaway from any of those analytics versus film debates I've ever had. <laughs> it's like, I mean, you, you can misuse anything. Sure. <laughs> um, sure. And I'm not like, I get, I use spreadsheets and talk about numbers all the time, but increasingly, in fact, always I've hated being called an analytics guy because I barely understand math guys. You should see me do my times tables. Um, That's why I have spreadsheets. (laughs) Jesus, you know, Um, but there are people out there with like literal mathematical PhDs playing around in fantasy football. I'm like, they're probably analysts. They're probably analytic analysts. And all I try and do is, you know, understand as much of it as i can and uh it's it, it, to me it's all the same data or the all the same information looked at through however you enjoy it or however you particularly feel you're good at understanding it like yeah. literally all analytics is is recording the things you watch on tape when you watch tape and as long as you're aware of exactly or you try to learn and do your due diligence of what you're looking at same way with tape then you can apply it fairly but it is off. Like someone literally was tweeting 
the other day and they were like, I'm really overwhelmed with statistics, understandably at this point, honestly, if you try and get into it, like I, I, I understand <laughs> that, that initial, what are all these acronyms kind of a feeling? And they're like, <laughs> what should I start with? And so uh, I approached it with, you have not looked at all. All right, here's a good number that's very easy to understand. Points per game. It's good for most things. You can defend it in most cases. You can use it as a predictive stat. It's pretty good predicting things, but also it's very descriptive. Look how many points they had compared to this player um, in a previous season. And the only little asterisks you have to put on it is make sure they play, you know, over eight games or they touch the ball more than 70 times because then you're dealing with an actual number and not something that's just based off, again, that that rate problem that we have with touchdowns. Um, and then immediately all my friends got in there and they've got these big long lists of acronyms. I'm like, guys, come on. You want, you want someone <laughs> like that's that's not it. Also, you've got to start with one thing and understand what it is. And I've heard tape grinders talk about it something similar ways with like um watching highlight reels and thinking you've watched a player. And then other people saying, well, highlight reels have a point because they can do this. And I'm like, I, I'm not in this discussion. I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> but I can see I don't sim- care about <laughs> similar types of arguments. You know what I mean? I remember talking yeah. to Travis um, May, who does both because he's weird. Um, <laughs> I, I can't remember who it was. It wasn't Tutu, but it was someone. And he, I, I couldn't get a good handle on him. And so I went to try and look up just... I don't know, see what I can find on YouTube about watching him play. And they were just highlight reels, and it was just jet sweep after jet sweep after jet sweep. I was like, what the hell's going on here? Is this how <laughs> that that's why his numbers are a little exaggerated? <laughs> we all we all play Madden. We know that's how and, that's and, how you pad stats. And so I immediately went to Travis, was like, is that what all his tape looks like? And he was like, No, that's an exaggeration of the highlight reel, but everyone's watching it and thinking that's all he does. And then, yeah, as long as you know the limitations of what a highlight reel is, I'm assuming you know where to go to get broader context. Someone like Travis, someone like you. But it all has a use. It can give you a a visualization how he's playing, how he's moving, if he's good. At least, does he have a lot of highlight plays? That probably matters to some degree. Um, But I'm just kind of talking randomly at this point, John. But uh, that's the only (laughs) thing I'd say. Like, we disagree on many things. But I think the only way we disagree on this is if you think, analytics is one thing it's not it's a different way of looking at the same information it can be it has a lot of people problems but that's true with tape that's true with if you prefer to throw darts to make decisions i'm sure there's various different mistakes you can make in that methodology <laughs> um so yeah uh, it's not uh, that i disagree on the uh, that there are, it can be misused i think those are just people problems not a problem with data or spreadsheets necessarily in yeah. and of itself very true. And, and I mean, it, the thing is, like, every time I bring Oh, the reason up, I, the whole reason I brought up that guy was to say the only other thing I said, well, I listed a few <laughs> other things, but like the most important thing I think I told him was don't start with what you want to say and then go find stats to prove it. I think that's most thank you. misuses yeah. of stats. It's like try to understand stats and then write about what they seem to describe or explain to you, what mm-hmm. they lead you to, or. And use them as descriptive. This is why he's good. And here's some things that prove that he is doing those things with statistics or whatever. But if you start off, I think the simple one line definition I gave to him, if you start off with the assumption 
Jeff Smith is good. There's no Jeff Smith. Understand? It's just a fake name. Jeff Smith is good. I like Jeff Smith. This is Jeff Smith's best stat. Therefore, this stat means Jeff Smith is good. That's where you start getting in trouble. And most of the problems around analytics are just some version of that. It's trying to find something that's positive about a player you like or something that's negative about a player you like without any real consideration of if that means that thing about that player or can even tell you that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, again, I feel like you... Good luck editing this, by the way, because you keep <laughs> I'm, asking I'm me not, questions I'm... and I'm like, here's 10 <laughs> minutes of talking. Some of it's about what you asked me. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, here's some analytics for you, by the way. I uh, what I have <laughs> What I have learned is that there is a, a, a less than 1% return on editing a podcast. Oh, that's fair, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm not editing this. There's there's no way in hell. Uh and now I'm just trying to figure out what, like which direction I want to go with this because like you you uh, despite your best efforts, you actually really kind of <laughs> segued us right into something that it. I want to get to with you. Um yeah, yeah. We're we're gonna let the running backs of 2017 go. We're gonna let Joe Burrow go. Um, we're gonna let my my approach to fantasy football, which is very narrative driven and strategic, we're gonna let all that go. Uh, that can all be for another time. Because another thing that I've kind of uh, that I've figured out in my time doing this is that in February, Super Bowl's over. People want to talk about rookies. They want to hear about rookies. Yes, I is. don't. I don't want to talk <laughs> about it. I, 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 I think it's absolutely crazy that we talk about these guys the most when we have the least information, the least important information anyways, because mm. landing spot tells us far more than anything else. But then once we have the, the, the landing spot, then we really kind of shift our focus to the overall player pool. That's that's nuts. That feels very backwards to me. I would rather be talking about about the veteran players who just played an NFL season. And now we've got some, you know, we've got some 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 meat on the bone there. We've got something tangible that we should be talking about. But everyone wants to hear about rookies. So let's talk about the freaking rookies. So all right. <laughs> it's, I, I i i feel i felt and i still feel very similar to you like the draft is the most important thing and honestly yeah. what i've got isn't that useful until i can combine it with the draft and i've heard some people say that some people say that that means you're cheating but i've never actually had anyone say that to me so i think it's just you know we're worried about someone saying you're just you're just taking what the nfl gives you but like, that doesn't make me feel bad because I'm not a GM. Neither do I want to be. I'm just seeking fantasy points. If you have a problem with that, I guess you're in the wrong place. You should be, like, studying game film and trying to work your way through the ranks of the scouting community. Like, right. I'm, not, I'm not pretending that I should have a job at an NFL franchise. I'm okay taking the signal from the NFL draft. But the other part is, especially over the last year or so, I've come to embrace the fact that it's pretty obvious I want to do more of this. It would be nice if this was what I did. Right. Um, and I feel I like being the jaded curmudgeon pretending he doesn't care, <laughs> but I do. Yeah, I, I want to do this more. Um, and the simple fact is you have to embrace that part of that is I'm a content creator, not just uh, I'm no longer just a noisemaker on the side having fun. I'm trying to get people to listen to me and maybe care that I'm doing stuff. And 
like you said, people want to hear about rookies. So while mm -hmm. I do agree it's a bit overblown, especially if I want to stand by my process, there is value in having an idea of what you think of a player before any other information comes in. Because one, yeah. you can at least learn where your flaws are. Like I think this about player X, then I see how his career plays out, and then you go back and think, oh, I was way wrong. Why was I wrong? That's one of the most useful things I've ever done in any aspect of this. And so making up your own mind before you have all the necessary information can help with that. And the other thing is, yeah, people want to hear about rookies and I want people to pay attention to the things I'm doing. So I'm okay <laughs> thinking, yeah, all right. I do think it's real funny and it's mostly from Devi guys. Like we should have the draft, the rookie draft before the NFL draft, but that's because they all think no. they have an edge right? because they're doing all this work. I'm like, you realize like we don't all stay static if everything changes. <laughs> like right. if we have the draft next week, everyone else is going to start doing the work you're doing. Like, I yeah. mean, everyone, I, I do find that, like, cause you find, I'm not, I, I don't have any examples, but I think a lot of people think that way, especially about fantasy football. It's like, because I'm doing this work, I have an advantage. But that's literally because you're the only one in the room. And if you change the rules, so being in that room is suddenly important, then everyone's going to come join you in that room. <laughs> it's yeah. like, there's no real <laughs> advantage to it. You know what I mean? Right. Well, in the Sorry, meantime, and, and, and this is something this is I, I just had Matt Hicks on the show a couple weeks ago. Uh, this is something that him and I kind of a, a, a conclusion that we really kind of came to didn't verbalize it in this way. But like if you did that, if you move the rookie draft before the NFL draft uh, just to try and get an edge on me because you're a Debbie guy who watches college football and I and you know that I don't. Like, I'm just going to take a bunch of running backs, and I guarantee you I'm going to be more successful than you are. Like, you're going to get you're all fancy. Draft by conference. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, this is, again, something Zach Reed's pointed out. And also, you know, Jeff from DLF, he wrote that article last year. I thought it was hilarious and true. It's like the best way of winning in fantasy football is to let everyone else do the work and just copy them. Like, yeah. You can come yeah. in. Like we make fun of the guy with a magazine at the draft, but there's so much information. And if you're on DLF, like literally you, you can pretty much pick up who you need to know about in 10 minutes on DLF. Just go look at the consensus ranks and the ADP. It's like, oh, Hall and Spiller. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. like, you won't be drafting blindly. It's actually pretty easy to figure out. <laughs> at <this> yeah. Point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's where so much of my strategy going into this rookie class has, has, come from is just looking at Devi rankings and saying all right like people are going to talk up right you know this time of year people are going to talk up Malik Willis they're going to talk up Traylon Burks uh they're you know some they're going to fall in love with another wide receiver or two there's going to be a consensus running back one and there's probably going to be a running back who jumps way up but like like none of that really matters. I mean, if it didn't matter in November, why does it matter now? Like the bottom line is everybody was saying they, uh, you know, the, the, the players that are coming in in 2023 are just better. It's just a better class, like across the board. It's, it's stronger. It's got more superstars. It's deeper. And so like, you're not really going to be able to, <laughs> you can't go back on that. Now you can't put the, the toothpaste back in the tube 
Wind. Anyway, um, one thing that I do find, and even as I've been doing this work, I am like, there is value in this for me personally playing fantasy football. And part of it is because yeah. I'm not a Devi guy. It's like, I don't understand why 2023 is good. I'm not going to know those players' names for at least a year. I don't care. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah. doing pre-work like that has taught me that when there's that much noise around one class being better than another, Devi folks aren't entirely stupid. They're not stupid. They're very smart, handsome people, obviously. And um, <laughs> there's probably truth to it. And it's okay just to accept that. Um, mm -hmm. But doing this kind of work uh, uh, this early, this gives me not particular sense, not particular player evaluations. Because I'm not even doing talent evaluation. I'm comparing. I'm doing player comparison. That's my process. Like how well does this player compare to past players that have gone on? And what did they go on to do? And... Um, but it has given me a better sense of why, you know, one draft class is talked down, one's talked up. Um, and also, I think, the nature of the bad things said about 2022. Like, it's given me reason to go look at context. For example, the worst draft class we have seen since 2000, I think, has produced nine players across all positions that have had at least two fantasy relevant seasons and that's a fairly high bar that's like finishing the top 24 as wide receivers finishing the top 12 as tight ends or quarterbacks and top 24 for running back as well so like nine you're telling me that worst case there are nine players in this draft class that are <laughs> going to do that that's not such a bad class you know what yeah. i mean it is when you compare <laughs> it to like you know 2017 like we were just talking about and 10 running backs go for top 12 seasons and it will be compared to 2020 or 2021 but I like having been forced to do that work. It's like, okay, there are good players here. Some of them are going to be David Johnson. They're going to be undrafted. <laughs> oh, they're going to be very late in rookie drafts. There may be some Nikki Harris and Corey Davis is in here. There may be some misses. And what I've come to understand is looking at this class, well, everyone knows there are good players in every class, really. And some take a little longer to develop. Um, but some classes are harder to pick apart than others. And in this class... You know, don't even have to do a lot of player evaluation, certainly no talent evaluation, to understand that players are just standing closer together this year. Like, it's harder mm -hmm. to separate out um, Chris Olave and Sky Moore. Yeah, Sky Moore played at, you know, Corey Davis's old school, and Chris Olave played at Ohio, which is famously the team that literally made Michael Thomas look underproductive. How do you even do that? How do you do it to Terry McClellan? But they did somehow. But, um, <laughs> Their stats are a little harder to pick apart. They're standing too close together. Um, whereas some classes, you looked at... Um, I, I did a whole YouTube video on this. <laughs> Plugs. Um, like, 2021 feels like such a great class. Not because it was a better class than 2020. It actually wasn't. But it was really easy to get right. And everyone's riding yeah. high off that. Like, everyone feels like they nailed it. And so just do a little fact check for yourself. Go look at your ranks and NFL draft ADP. Or go look at your ranks and consensus ranks, and you'll find they're pretty much the same. <laughs> I mean, there were like two landmines, and you probably stepped on one of them, and that's that's like most people. Like 2021 was easy. It wasn't just full of great players, because most have good players. It was really easy, and they showed up really early, so we already know. And I think um, that has an effect. <laughs> 2020 yeah. isn't, 2022 isn't going to go that way. Most classes don't. And so it's easy to talk it down for that reason too. Yeah, I, I I agree. And in fact, I have a theory 
that I've been talking about on the podcast the last few weeks that I would really like to run by you. Um, my thesis, and I mean, you know, kind of the, the watered down version is that, you know, strength of class, it's, it's, it's relative, obviously, uh, you know, so off air, you were kind of talking about how you were comparing this wide receiver class, this draft class to 2015, because that was another great wide receiver class. My here, so here's my contention is, and, and my, you know, my, my question to you. So first of all, when, when we look at this class compared to 2021, what we see is, you know, where in 2021, we had several different options that felt like you know, high-end starters at quarterback, including generational talent, freaking Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we had high-end starters at running back, you know, starting with Najee Harris, especially once he landed on Pittsburgh. And then we even had, you know, a, one of those quote-unquote generational talents at tight end with Kyle Pitts. This class doesn't have any of that. This class has wide receivers, and that's kind of it. Right. Like the, the quarterbacks, um, right. the quarterbacks are probably going to be there. There's going to be, you know, two or three starters out of this quarterback group. There's going to be, you know, one to three running backs who end up in a decent enough situation that they can maybe get some volume. We certainly don't have a Kyle Pitts in this class. So like the really kind of the focal point is wide receivers. Problem number two is, we're coming off of a season that was really kind of, and and I still have not been able to come up with the the actual like the statistical basis for this, the reinforcement for this. But I swear to you, it's there. That was a wide <laughs> that was a wide receiver season that we just had. That was a yeah. season where the top end wide receivers made a much bigger difference in for, for fantasy football than they usually do. And a, a much bigger no, difference, but carry on. Then <laughs> the, the, the a much bigger difference relative to the other positions than what they normally do. And and then of course you know as you mentioned you also had year one breakouts from Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle and Amon Ra St Brown and and you know you could argue. I don't know how you feel. I, I'm not clear on this, where you stand with Devonta Smith uh, as far as, um, you know, if, 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 if it was a hit, if nothing else, and possibly a breakout. But anyways, I mean, we just had this season where, and not only that, the uh, on top of everything else, you know, the, the quarterbacks that were supposed to be transformative for dynasty purposes ended up being mostly nothing like Mac Jones was kind of the only guy who really gave us much of anything. Trevor Lawrence wasn't even startable. And so, you know, you've really kind of, you, you take the experience that you just had in 2021 where, you know, early on with, with your first pick in your super flex rookie draft, you took Trevor Lawrence and got pretty much nothing out of it. Just kind of taking up a roster spot by the end of the season. Or, you know, you took, uh, even if you took, I, I think Najee Harris, you probably felt okay about. But the problem is 
you know, the person right after you took Jamar Chase and went and won their championship. <laughs> so people are kind of chasing what just happened, which we already know is a flawed process anyways. That's sub yeah, it's, the Evan Sil- but- it's the Evan Silver line, isn't it? Uh, you know, what just happened is going to keep happening or whatever he right. says on this podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah, but how Sorry, much I'm gonna that... I'm gonna let you finish before I interject, <laughs> but you've already raised so much. Carry, carry on. Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, I've I've mostly laid this out here, but I'm I'm kind of curious about that. Like, how much, uh, you know, the the idea that this is a strong wide receiver class. How much of it is this is actually a strong wide receiver class, and how much of it is, you know, there's nothing else available <laughs> in this rookie class other than wide receivers, and we just kind of got this overall feeling that wide receivers are going to be more important than what they generally will be uh, based on the 2021 season. All right. Let me back you all the way up to that wide Whoa, receiver. All the way. Okay. All the way. All the way. Let's back to the start. We're taking this one point at a time. And okay. did wide receivers average more points per game in 2020 or 2021? I can list numbers at you, but I'm going to try and do it without uh, doing that because no one can, you know, you're not taking notes while listening to this. So no one cares about no. the actual numbers. <laughs> but the answer is 2021 wide receivers average less points per game. So okay. it's not that 2021 wide receivers were outscoring the pack. Now, over the last two years, they have averaged more points per game than over, say, the last five. But it's mm-hmm. pitches and minuses. And essentially, wide receivers do what wide receivers do. There hasn't been much of a fall off or a drop recent years. Um, 2019 was a bit of a low point, so it was 2017. But on average, they've been pretty consistent. Last year was a very good wide receiver year, to your point. And, yeah. you know, those rookie breakouts, like we've got back-to-back Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Like, don't just get that That's out true. of your mind. Okay, right. like, stop it. That's not going to – you're right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, start. And Jalen Waddle, which, again, I mentioned up the front. Everyone's forgetting. He's more comparable. He's directly – like, it's – barely different than what jamar chase did and yet we want to put him in the other bucket i'm like that's just a little crazy like we don't get many of them let's not throw this one out you know but anyway um as someone who like waddle i think was one of the landmines i was talking about one i stepped on i was too low on jalen waddle so that's coming from a hater just throwing that out there um who's now fully convinced um so, yeah, wide receivers had a good year, but I don't think what happened in 2021 was wide receivers were just outscoring exceptionally more than they usually do, although there were some highlights like Jamar Chase. What happened was running backs fell off, dude. Like we got Saquon right. Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, we just talked about, literally zipped out and weren't in the season. That's what happened. And yeah. so running backs in 2020 one average less points per game it wasn't that wide receivers were outperforming what they usually do running backs were underperforming what they usually do which is what there leads is. us to takes like josh jacobs had the most receiving yards of top 12 running backs or was very compared but the thing is this is a terrible terrible top 12 running back year if you're doing yeah. well in this running back year it's like um geez who was it back in the day uh, not back in the day, even there's been a few of them. Uh, DJ Chark. When DJ Chark broke into the top 24, everyone wanted to follow the same top 24 rules for him. But he had like a top 24 season in an exceptionally poor top 24 year. It just wasn't a fair comparison. It's like being the world's tallest midget. It doesn't make you suddenly six foot tall. <laughs> so that's, Great. I think, Josh Jacobs is fine. I, I don't have a particular 
against him. I think he's a value right now as well. But um, I do think it's a little exaggerated to compare what he did this year compared to other running backs this year. So just to sum that start of your speech up there, yeah, wide receivers did suddenly do exceptionally better. Wide receivers always do pretty well. There are, there are advantages to wide receivers, even though you hate them. But it was right. more running backs <laughs> just kind of sucked. <laughs> I mean, that's what happened. Um, Let me real now, quick. It's not that I hate wide receivers. I you hate wide receivers. Time. Let's move on. I don't have time to hate <laughs> all of those wide receivers who are fantasy viable. That's the point. I, I don't believe you. You're the Grinch. You're Jim Carrey's <laughs> the Grinch. You're just standing on a mountain somewhere with a list of all the wide receiver names going, Justin Jefferson, I hate you, Jumanji. <laughs> You're just moving down. I believe that's what you do on weekends. Um, anyway, There's some truth um, Now, towards uh, the quarterbacks, I think that's a really important note because it's one that I made last year. We had Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow came out real strong and Kyler Murray the year before. And last year, even though I don't do a lot of quarterback takes, because that position is basically mysticism. As far as I can see, if you want to predict quarterback, mysticism is the way to go. Like, just not tape, not data, sacrifice a duck, see what his entrails say. <laughs> That's more reliable. Now, um, but it, like you were saying about comparing wide receiver seasons, it's not like I'm comparing 2021 players to 2014 players. I mostly look at it to see what we did because we are remarkably predictable. Like you said, we see something, we think it's going to happen more. That's yeah. essentially the basis of most of our reasoning. It's why human reasoning kind of sucks. But, um, and that's what I did with quarterbacks last year. It's like, we've had too many, how many great generational quarterbacks do you think we ever get when, when we're seeing the end of the Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, uh, Drew Brees era, and now we're seeing some new ones rise up. But why would you expect there to suddenly be 20 great quarterbacks when there's only ever been about five or six and we now know who they are? Like, I, yeah. I think Trevor Lawrence is still a lot of hope there. But I think last year, like you said, was exaggerated entirely because, you know, we've just seen great quarterback after great quarterback hit the league and it's like yeah but we're kind of at our limit you know <laughs> we're not yeah. we're not we're not gonna get 20 peyton manning so fuck, deal with that and <laughs> there's still hope for uh trevor lawrence i think i mean if if that team entirely changes his entire organizational structure i don't it, it's like Tua, to be honest. I don't have a problem with the player. I don't think the player's done anything to make me think he's not good. But the team, the team has me utterly convinced there are problems, you know? Yeah. But anyway, moving on. Um, so to this wide receiver class, I also think you're right. We've just seen so many great wide receivers. We're expecting that wide receiver is a thing in this year's draft class. But we have got smarter at this stuff because while that is still the basis of our reasoning, you know, we did learn from 2015 and 16 that wide receivers can suck. Like, real bad. You can draft a lot of Kevin Whites <laughs> before you find another Odell Beckham, you know? Yeah. Um, and so the market does correct the market as if it's finance, but still. Um, and so you do see in the ADP data, it's getting a little bit more concerned with wide receivers after what happened after 2014. So I don't think people are going to exaggerate 2022 wide receivers as badly as you might expect. Um, but this is much more of a, you know, it's a fairly, there are more wide receivers standing very close together in a, they might be okay range this year. And there's just a couple of running backs who stand out as they might be particularly uh, important. And because of that, I think your inclination to be running back inclined might pay off because, you know, an okay running back in general is better than an okay wide receiver out of a rookie draft. 
especially since we tend to do a little bit better with the rookie rankings by consensus. Like the running back one almost always, almost always has at least one top 12 season, you know? Um, I think yeah. even Trent Richardson managed that. Whereas wide mm-hmm. receiver one in DLF ADP, pretty good but there are some there are some strong ass misses in there you know um yeah. and so it's there's a little less reliability in wide receivers so uh, yeah what were the other things you said i think i'm about halfway through your first sentence um uh, i mean all, all you heard was so, i hate wide receivers so just go with that <laughs> all right um no this class i think it has versions of everything that you mentioned i think saying yeah. there's no good tight end in this class Carl Pitts is what Carl Pitts is. I think he's he was immediately uh, over-under, to use car terminology. He was immediately more expensive than anyone could ever pay. And so, like, there was nothing to do with that. But this year, um, Trey McBride, I haven't looked into tight end t- deeply yet, but Trey McBride stands out as a really good what, tight end prospect. Is he a Carl Pitts-level prospect? I don't know. He's not too far off but he's not that close and and but he also doesn't have the hype he's not going to go over under before he even gets drafted so that's nice and that's a that's that's better than not having anything you know like you described it yeah hater and <laughs> and in this wide receiver class yeah there might be some over expectations but there are some serious profiles in this class that have a stronger upside as most classes again we're yeah. going to have good players. They're just harder to pick apart. I think George Pickens this year is going strongly un- underrated right now. And honestly, if he hits, I think he has the highest ceiling as anyone we've seen. Um, Traylon Burks, who you clearly hate already. I don't know what I can't he did see. to your mother, but apparently <laughs> he did something. Um, but I can tell you he compares well to like AJ Brown and many good past prospects and as a pretty likely hit if he gets draft capital. Um, yeah. And then you've got some players that are in a happy middle class. Uh, at running back, you have at least two really strong prospects. You have one that you'll love because he doesn't catch the ball. Uh, <laughs> and he's, as far as I can tell, and I don't do talent evaluation, but as far as I can see, he's an exceptional runner. You're probably going to enjoy watching him if you haven't already. I think he's he's probably a lot of fun to watch running the ball. And yeah, I think he actually literally won an award for literally how he runs the ball. Um, Walker, whatever is Kenneth Walker. Yeah, um, Kenneth Walker. So there's a fantasy conversation to be had about that because receiving is important, especially in today's fantasy football. But he's definitely talented. So that's three running backs right there. I've already mentioned like. Definitely good prospects. I understand the concern over it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, like I said, I do like to play the people. Uh, I was never good at poker, so I'm not going to pretend I understand that. But um, I, I actually <laughs> played one hand of poker and won and quit. So, like, technically I'm at 100%. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> I that do takes like discipline. <laughs> I do like to play. Not really. I hate gambling. It was real easy for me. (laughs) I like this money in my pocket. (laughs) But um, no, yeah, I don't hate gambling. I do not enjoy gambling. It's probably the better way of saying it. But um, yeah, yeah, that's where was I with this class? Yeah, there are many good prospects in this class. Uh, I think we're getting to a point where it's worth trading for the picks almost in some leagues they're trading for like you can get a first round pick this year for like a second round pick next year which is just insane um and because there are decent prospects in the class it's worth at some point taking a shot on them um there was something else i was gonna say that's a summation of this 
this draft class, I think. I think there's a solid middle class of prospect. We're going to have at least nine players that are dynasty must. Like, you're going to be trading for them. Like, the, my go-to example is, like, the Keenan Allen and um, DeAndre Hopkins both come from a class like this that mm-hmm. was touted as a bad class and that had nine hits across all positions in fantasy-relevant seasons, and you can't get better hits than either of them. One was drafted as a... I think he might have... Hopkins was the wide receiver one from that year, who was pretty close, but Keenan Allen fell to the second round and also was fell lower in the draft. And I think that's a good thing to keep in your mind while looking at this class. Like, you want shots here, but it's not necessarily you have to take someone else's running back one. You don't have to bow by consensus nearly as much. You can reach a little bit. I wouldn't tell you to go crazy, but try and find the Keenan Allen or try and find the Antonio Gibson, for example, to use another example from a recent class at running back. Um, If everything adds up and the value lines up, I think it's a good class to take your shot. And I actually kind of love those classes. Like, you mean I don't have to listen to John Hogue? I can do what I want? You you should. Great. I'm going to take Pickens <laughs> over whoever the hell you like and just, you know, see how that dice roll lands, man. It's an exciting but, class in that way. When there's less certainty, there's, the, I I think we're literally encouraged to just go pick your shot, you know? I'm yeah. not as sure, so here's a tier. Go take your favorite guy. You let off the leash a little bit. Let your free frag fly. Go take Pickens over, you know, um, who's another guy people like? Garrett Wilson. Screw Garrett Wilson. I want George Pickens. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh, what the hell was that? Um, Garrett Wilson's my guy <laughs> in this class. So. No, so Garrett Wilson looks just... good. That's the thing. Like, yeah. I agree. I'm, I, you don't even have to strongly disagree, but I think with the nature of this class, you're allowed to just go, yeah, but I like this guy a little bit more. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> So is it at any point in this process, are there differentiators for you at wide receiver, like up to and including landing spot or, I mean, I, we, we know that draft capital is something (laughs) for rookie. I, 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 and I even wonder why nothing else seems less important than other position. I don't know. I think it tells you who's going to get easier access to opportunity. Yeah. You know, if you're drafted in the first three rounds, the team's probably going to try you out on the field. Mm-hmm. And if you're good, you therefore get a better chance to succeed. And if you're in the fourth round or undrafted, you're going to have to fight just to get near the field. So that's the kind of that's the way I think of draft capital. It's not it doesn't tell you anything necessarily about their talent. It tells you what the team thinks. And they're using a lot of money to try and figure it out. So that helps. Um, but the way I think of it is like um opportunity simply is easier to get opportunity and that matters a lot like yeah it's important just to go back to a travis may from rodovis point players are so filtered by the time they get to the nfl like literally they go through so many high schools and so much scouting and so much effort trying to figure out who's good that there's no one that gets in the nfl even as an undrafted free agent who hasn't spectacular as something like they're all pretty impressive individuals especially at football um only at football, maybe. Um, and so if they can get on the field, they can do things. They can do more than most people in the world on a football field. And so right. opportunity is really important that way. Okay. So so well, what did you ask me? <laughs> so draft capital sounds more important to you than than landing spot. Like I'm just I'm kind of trying to figure out if there mm. are if there's still 
differentiators to be had, especially when, like you said, I mean, this is so far, this class of wide receivers really kind of, uh, they all grayed out pretty similarly. I, I, not all of them, obviously, but like there's, they're pretty big tiers in this class so far. And, you know, part of my, part of my issue with Traylon Burks, I don't actually hate Traylon Burks. Uh, it's, but you did, you did hit a nerve because people are trying <laughs> to make the argument that Traylon Burks should go first overall in a rookie draft in a super flex rookie draft. And I think that that's crazy for so many reasons. The biggest being, why would you take Traylon Burks at one one when you could trade back to 105, 106, and get at least similar production from Garrett Wilson or Drake London or Chris Olave or George Pickens, any yeah. one of those guys. What I'd say is I don't think – I think Traylon Burks profiles as someone that has a lot more upside than everyone that you mentioned on that list. Yeah. Um, what does it take for him to realize so that's that? Why. I, guess, I, I guess that's kind of the question is like, how do well, we unlock my- – or, or, or like, does he just take that that upside into whatever situation he lands in, regardless of landing spot, regardless of draft capital, or, or does something have to happen to actually unlock that to where we put him in kind of a tier of his own? Uh, yeah, yeah. This is where we get to like boring questions or questions that sound <laughs> like I'm obfuscating, and I'm not trying to. You just got to remember. You don't have to remember anything, but. I, I only try and know what I know. I definitely don't know how the future is going to work out. I definitely sure. don't know what how to find talent. Um, uh, essentially, the way I have described prospect evaluation is trying to find, you know, we know who was talented once they got to the NFL. Like, it's pretty clear Julio Jones was pretty talented, right? And it's pretty yeah. clear that Christian McCaffrey was and Alvin Kamara. So what I do is I go back to when they were in college. That's just running backs. I don't know why I just mentioned running backs. But I look at what happened around them. Because there's nothing in a spreadsheet or even on game film, in my opinion, that is definable as talent. It's, it's an amalgamation of things. Talent is innate. I don't think I can define it and track it. But I can look at what happened around them and then look for what they produced or what I call the wake of what they were doing um, and then go find similar noise around other players. Um, and so that's kind of the way I think of it. And so when it your, to answer your question, yeah, he kind of carries that upside no matter where he goes. But that's not because it's true. It's because I don't know how to adjust for the reality of the world. I just know how well his wake or the noise around him compares to past good players. And I'm just hoping that that's because he's got talent. And having said that, you know, you can also ask the question, does Corey Davis struggle as much if he doesn't land on the Titans? Right. Did I lose something? Uh, Lost video, but that's fine for a podcast. Yeah. We're good. Um, You're good. Yeah. Yeah. where was I? Yeah. So Corey I don't Davis. know how to adjust adjust for it is essentially what I'm saying. I don't know what happens. If Terrence Marshall, who I, you know, and famed, not really, but <laughs> I was definitely out on and like pretty much the only guy out here uh, <laughs> saying I wasn't, I wasn't so sure. Um, it feels like, or felt like at the time, uh, I got, I got a lot of saved tweets. I'm desperately trying not to like right now. Um, <laughs> Cause I don't want to be <laughs> that guy. But um, what I was going to say, um, if he lands on another team, does he actually succeed? 
Yeah, I can see that. Again, by the time he, Terrence Marshall is so filtered, he's got to be so talented to get where he got to. I imagine there's a situation he could land in where he would have been more successful. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. you were so still there for a second. I thought I froze. So <laughs> I can admit that I do not know for sure this is what happens in every outcome of Terrence Marshall. In the same way, I can admit that um, you know Nate Hamilton expressed concern over uh, Jamar Chase in that he thought his skill set was so particular that he needed a quarterback who could take advantage of it. Is that true? I don't know. I don't know how to even start looking for that. Can I admit that if Jamar Chase lands with the Jets, that he doesn't do good things? Yeah, maybe. I I have no idea. So does landing spot matter? Yes. I have no way of accounting for it. And when I go back and look, we tend to be 50-50. Like we thought A.J. Brown going to the Titans was, was terrible. And it was pretty good. Uh, and we thought, um, uh, I know, a random example. Uh, Sankey. Sankey going to the Titans was great. We thought that really meant good things for his volume. And it was not great. So we tend to be hit on this. Um, do, should you consider it? Yes. Should you make your own decision on whether it's a good or a bad landing spot? And that means something to him, uh, to what his outcome is? Yeah, you definitely should. All I can say for sure is I don't know how to help you know if you're going to be more right or more wrong, if that helps. <laughs> it's, like, it's okay to just go, this is what I think at that point, because I don't think anyone's shown anything that makes it predictable, not the level of volume, the level of coaching. Um, I would say just in general, it's better to land on a team you think is with a coaching staff or a head coach who can get the most out of their players. Now you can define that any which way, but um, like if they land on a team with Adam Gase, I'm more likely to be out. I think that guy has ruined more careers than he's helped. I can't prove it, but I'm pretty confident, you know? Yes. <laughs> um, if they go to a team with Andy Reid, I think it's very fair to say Andy Reid does good things for his players, whether they come from undrafted or well-drafted. He works, if he can get something out of them, he's going to work to do it. I think that's fair to say, but I can't prove it's more or less likely. And so I'm not going to give someone else advice saying, clearly, if they land with Andy Reid, that makes, <laughs> I don't know. It makes sense to me. Um, but to, when it gets to landing spot, I don't have anything to help with. So I try not to. It definitely matters. I, <laughs> I Normally, just doing the nerd thing or the you know content creator thing, I just want to be funny about him. Like, nah, it doesn't matter. Ignore it. But yeah, yeah. it clearly matters. There are, there's a whole range of outcomes depending on where a player goes. And we won't know many of those potential futures, right? So to pretend I do, it would be, you know, actually disingenuous. All right. So based on that, last question from me here. Uh, Based on all that, who are the players? Based on all of that stuff I didn't listen to. (laughs) (laughs) Based on the fact that that... you're that you're openly admitting to not knowing anything about what uh what... <laughs> it's like the jerry Maguire mission statement the things that we all think but nobody says uh you, you... <laughs> <laughs> you just outed all of us in one fell swoop peter howard all right that's um, what I'm here for, man. I'm just <laughs> looking to make more frenemies out here if you want to join in come on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so based on in and, and just kind of based on the the research that you've done so far looking into this rookie class 
who are the players? So you're at 1.01 in your in your Superflex rookie draft. Uh, you know, and we'll say agnostic of team need. Um, you know, put all put all that aside and just say, you know, just kind of in a vacuum. Who are the players that right now you would say belong in the conversation for that 1.01 in a Superflex? In a super flex, remembering I don't do quarterback evaluation, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go see who Travis May and John Hogue have uh, in yeah. that tier and include those guys. And then it's, um, yeah, it's Traylon Burks and it's Brees Hall. Okay. Isaiah Spiller is very close, yeah. um, but I feel like I need to know where he gets drafted and where he's going to play a bit more than a bit more so than um, Hall. Okay, fair. Man, I won't. I won't ask you about Carson Strong. Like I, I always want. To, every time I bring somebody on, I, but, I wish I could. You know, I wish I could. Know, help. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just we'll just assume that Carson Strong is the one player that we would agree on if you evaluated quarterbacks. That's Probably. I mean, be... I've got stats on quarterbacks, or but it's like landing spot. I can tell you things that I think are positive, but I've never found. Like I literally took a another week every off season. I try it and I try to make something that does have. Maybe I can add to quarterback, and it's just—it's a mystery, man. Yeah, <laughs> no, it is. I've calculated Sipo. The best thing I've honestly tested—not that it's the best thing, because again, I can't I seem to suck at quarterbacks. It's a stat made by Sean Slavin from um, TwoQBs.com. He made something called TNEA. You don't care, but it includes rushing <laughs> in adjusted yards per attempt, and rushing is really important at quarterback now, and so it makes sense that it tests pretty well. Um, and that's the best that that that's what I've come up with. Like that's my favorite stat at quarterback. Um, and you Strong hate Carson Jason. <laughs> oh, really? okay. from Josh Hernsmeyer looks pretty good. Um, I mean, I'd have to filter here, and I'm not going to be able to. But uh, let me see. I think yeah. I, One of the I big knocks think... on Carson Strong is the mobility. So I'm I'm surprised. I'm kind of surprised to hear that. It makes me think that maybe people are. Uh, are going a little too far with the the whole Carson Strong isn't mobile theme. Um, I don't, again, not a quarterback evaluator, but he's got like a last year, no, that's T-Cope. That's something I made as a joke. Sorry. Um, <laughs> a last year at CPO, no, TNEA, of uh, 7.56, and the average for top 12 quarterbacks is like 7.6. Um, yeah, it's fine. It's all right. Um. The one thing I would say about rushing, and I think it was a really interesting point made at me while I was arguing that Mac Jones was pretty good as a different type of quarterback uh, than we've seen recently, um, was it's not so much that you're Cam Newton or not so much that you're Robert Griffin or Colin Kaepernick or even uh, Russell Wilson. It's more that you add with your legs in other ways. I mean, Tom Brady actually did a lot with his legs with his, you know, one yard stunt through the lines which new england kind of made an art out of um it's not that you have to be a a, a lamar jackson you just can add with your legs or a josh allen he's someone who's very much a rusher um but other quarterbacks like joe burrow and justin herbert and most of the top five kyla murray these aren't rushing quarterbacks in the sense of cam newton and, and um uh, Lamar Jackson, but they are players who do things with their legs, either whether it's to get a first down or get a few extra yards, or they can uh, they can do what Tom Brady did with what 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 do they call that thing where he just stood there and like got pushed forward by the line two inches? 
<laughs> I forget Flat what they call that. And even that can <laughs> you know, it's adding value through technically the rushing game. It's not all being a running back. And yeah. so Carson Strong doesn't have to be Lamar Jackson. He just has to not be Mac Jones. And Mac Jones is much and Mac Jones wasn't too far off, but um he's very unlikely to get you that extra first down, even if it's close, because that's just not what he looks to do, I would imagine. He might be Mac Jones, but <laughs> that's all right. That's well, that's the that... thing about Mac Jones, though. Just because it's not the typical, it's like screw it. Compare it to Derrick Henry. Like, yeah. Derrick Henry is a rusher. I, I don't care how many times people say, "Look, he got an extra reception." He is a rushing running back, and he's yeah. freaking amazing at it. The problem with predicting Henry was you can't continually predict unicorns and then when one turns up. So you see, all of them are going to turn into Derrick Henry. But the minute you find a unicorn, yeah. you don't have to pretend he's a horse anymore. Hmm. You know? So Mac <laughs> Jones isn't the type of prospect that we were looking for, but that doesn't mean he doesn't fit the past pure passer archetype that we have seen have success in the past and so yeah that's what i do with mac jones and if that's carson strong i'd say the same thing like it's not that you can't have success it's just less typical and so yeah yeah i'm not gonna go any further i'm not having a quarterback (laughs) take you can't make me i I can't you don't you don't realize it but you actually gave probably like five to seven quarterback takes all in the, like it was it was a a roller coaster ride for me as somebody who likes mac jones it was like or is a carson strong i was i don't care about (laughs) mac jones whatever well that's the thing about takes these days i mean what i like to do is not actually have takes it's just say things that are true and then when someone says well that's exceptionally different than what everyone else (laughs) thinks i'm like well i'm just gonna take reality over what they think thanks very much that's my favorite (laughs) kind of take i don't have to work for it (laughs) fair enough okay well so i we probably need to wrap this up i'm sure the the voice in your head is yelling at you about all this stuff you need to do but i I do have I'm done. I'm gonna go play Mario Kart with Iris some more. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I I am gonna take the opportunity. I can't get you to give a Carson Strong take, but uh I can get you to give just a take in general. Uh we're gonna play sure. our normal uh end of the show game here on the Superflex Super Show. Uh a little game I like to call your nuts. So uh, I I know that you've got some prepared for us. So Peter Howard, show us your nuts. Pardon? Um, Honestly, (laughs) I I thought that was a thing we did at the start of the show. I forgot about this bit. That was Uh, pretty nuts. It was pretty nuts, right? Saying running backs could have value. That's that's pretty nuts taken. Old running backs. (laughs) Old running backs are going to score points. Who knew? Uh... No, I literally forgot to. Uh, I forgot. Uh, AJ Brown's going to finish as a wide receiver one in 2022. How's that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. People hate yeah, his injuries and stuff. There you go. Yeah. See, I actually, and, and I don't think that one is that nuts, honestly. I think. Uh, I, I, I said it wasn't going to be that nuts. And it, uh, okay. The, the, the thing is, though, I mean, I'm, I'm one of the few people that you can convince on this. Most people are going to say, yeah, you're, you're nuts. You're out of your mind. Because it's going to be Jamar Chase, like in, perpe- in perpetuity. It's going to be either Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, and the other one's going to feel uh, finish his wide receiver too. 
just until the end of time. So, <laughs> so if you throw I've, out any I've, name that's not one of those two, yeah, you're you're kind of living on the edge. I've got a your nuts take if that counts. I've recently found out that people were drafting Marcus Brown outside the top twenty-four wide receivers. You're all nuts. <laughs> no, no equivocation. You're all literally nuts. Sorry, nice. <laughs> that's not true. Also. Uh, I'll go nuts. There you go. Um, <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster is going to get back inside the top twelve next year. That's definitely nuts. Ooh. Yeah, that one's that one's pretty nuts. Mostly just because the top twelve feels like a pretty packed room. So, yep. so well, I like that one a lot. Like, I just want to be remembered as someone who still likes Juju Smith-Schuster. So you got to make it stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to make a prediction on which team he's going to be on when he does this? I do the same thing every time. Like he's going to be on Pittsburgh, but that's okay. not a Juju Smith-Schuster take. That's what's what I do every time. Uh, I do think the NFL is getting more creative, though, right? Players are trading and moving around in their prime much more than they ever did, but still, the odds kind of favor players landing in the exact same place. <laughs> it's it's not yeah. sexy and it's not fun, but you know, after watching everyone speculate over where everyone's going to land for the last seven years, and like like four players have actually changed teams and it wasn't to anyone anyone thought like i'm just gonna stick with <laughs> they'll stay on the same <laughs> team <laughs> doesn't look like it was worth the effort <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right fair enough all right so we need to wrap it up here but at pa you keep howdy, saying that you keep yeah saying i know that. i know I we actually it. <laughs> we're gonna actually do it this time it just feels weird to make it I, we we went well past an hour Without a whole lot of fireworks, like what I think needs to happen, we probably need a mediator. We need somebody, not even a, not even a mediator. We need somebody who's going to stir things up for us, not like not I, calm us down. Honestly, like, I think either you're doing well or I'm on my best behavior because you're keeping me under three hours, which is usually what happens. <laughs> <laughs> it would be easy to do. Uh, I just have, I have other commitments. You have Mario Kart, so. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll wrap it up in the end. We'll just instead we'll just uh, get together again uh, a lot sooner so that we don't we don't have as much time to find common ground. So next, <laughs> God, yeah, let's not do this again. That was <laughs> yeah, <don't>, awful. <laughs> don't meet on the common ground. That's that's not our that's not our theme. So, all right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. It's always fun to talk with you, whether I agree with you or not. It's just, uh, it's just a fun conversation with you and, uh, really admire your work. So, um, getting the opportunity to go over it with you is a, is a treat for me. So, so let's oh, see. Have, that was, there was so many <laughs> lies back to back there, John. Look, like I said, I had then, to, I did all the pleasantries right up front. Now I'm speaking from the heart. There you know. <laughs> anyway, um, no, thanks, John. It's always fun to talk to you. And uh, yeah, let's disagree a few more times next time. That's normally we'll get better. it. <laughs> we'll we'll get it. Yeah, sometime after the NFL draft, I'm gonna have have you back. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see if we can turn up the temperature. So at PA Howdy Dynasty Crossroads Podcast, the Dynasty Grind on YouTube. What did I miss? I I mean DLF. You've got articles going up there all the time. Yes, sir. Uh, become a patron. I'm a patron. No, yeah, uh, I'm yeah. not. I'm not a patron to much of anything else. But I would uh, say uh, the only thing I normally say when people ask is like, you can find me on Twitter at pa howdy. 
-hmm. If you have a question or want to chat about football, I'm there. If you want to see my work, you can ask, or normally I post it on there anyway, and that's just one nice clean link that no one has to pay anything for, and I think that's the best way of doing it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter. See you in the (laughs) Twitter streets, you know? (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. All right. Let's wrap it up there. Let's actually wrap it up there for the week. Subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts Mega Feed. Uh, get access to all the great podcasts that we have at DLF, including Dynasty Crossroads with Peter Howard. Uh, do us a huge favor, rate and review this super show. Rate and review Dynasty Crossroads while you're at it, too. Uh, just help us to get out to more people and touch on more topics that are useful to you, our super friends. Uh, you can get at me on Twitter at Superflex Show, at Superflex Dude. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the Brain Catullus. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. Thank you to DLF for the platform. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah, yeah.